We started this series way back on page two of the Bible, if you remember, on page two, where, where a covenant was broken. Sin found its way into the garden, and that sin left humanity cursed and cast out from the presence of God. And as we then worked one by one through God's other covenant promises, we finally saw that sin get forgiven in Jesus' blood. And so we might think our journey is complete. The story of sin, but then forgiveness of that sin, it sounds rather complete, doesn't it? But actually, I hope that we might kind of step up from the story today, you know, step up above that covenant story and get get a heavenly view on all of that. Uh, stretch our thinking about covenant into what some people call the covenant of redemption. And by covenant of redemption, uh, people mean that God made a covenant with himself. Father, Son and Spirit made a covenant with himself, that he would redeem humanity from our curse of sin. And now that's a concept, but not a a phrase that we can take directly from Scripture, the covenant of redemption. I mean, the word covenant is there. It's all through the Scripture, as we've seen in this series. Covenant, it's a binding promise from God. The word redemption is everywhere too. It means, you know, God buys us out of our slavery to sin. But But that combo phrase, a covenant of redemption, no, that's language that we've had to construct as we try to capture and and find words to express what what in various other ways the Bible teaches us about this, about, about God's decision to step into all those covenants he made with his people. And particularly as those covenants all work together and, and towards that point of redeeming us by Jesus' blood. So whatever you'd rather we call this covenant of redemption idea, here's what we need to explore. The commitment God made to pursue the redemption of sinners. And how this commitment by God helps us lock together all those covenants he made along the way that we've been looking at in previous weeks. And the scripture in front of us to explore this commitment God made and the way that it works towards the cross is... It's opened up for us today, Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 3 through 14. And we realize here very quickly that, you know, language aside, it's actually hard not to see the clarity of Scripture on this truth, that that God did make a commitment. Before the foundation of the world, God made a commitment to redeem fallen humans from the curse of their sin. So let's look through this text and think about this truth. Uh, the so-called covenant of redemption, as people call it, and consider our salvation from a heavenly view. And rightly so here in Ephesians 1, because notice as I read it again how this scripture anchors us very firmly in God's point of view. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him 
we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him, who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Anchored resolutely in the wonders and workings of God. The redemption we have from our sins, verse 7, is all down to him. The point we must get to, however, is, is whether God made a commitment to this. You know, an internal commitment between the persons of God to do this, to, to redeem us. And we can certainly see, first of all, that, that yes, Father, Son and the Holy Spirit are, are all involved in this. They're all driving this redemption. They work together. They are all agreed. It is the Father who blessed us, verse 3 with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. It is the Son, verse 7, who has redeemed us by his blood. It is the Holy Spirit, verse 13, who seals us and marks us as his. God operates as one to redeem us from our sin. No question on on that side of things. The only real question then is, you know, about this covenant of redemption is, is whether God committed himself to this redemption beforehand. Or if, you know, he, he just kind of came up with this along the way, it's like an emergency fix, as if he's putting out runaway fires. If we look at the text again, we see that, yes, actually, God was committed to redemption before even there was sin. Before sin was even a thing, God was committed to this. Look at all the different ways, actually, that this text explains exactly that. that the idea here that, that God had a plan a purpose, a decision from the very beginning to redeem us from sin. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him 
who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Since before the foundation of the world, this has been God's plan, his purpose, his will, his counsel, his glorious, gracious, mysterious wisdom and insight waiting for the fullness of time. He predestined this to be. And if God had decided this before the foundation of the world, and Father, Son and Spirit are, are agreed, then we are more or less in that, that, that hard-to-articulate-otherwise space of, of this covenant of redemption, as people have called it. God committed to our redemption before the creation of the world. God committed to our redemption before the creation of the world. Which is pretty heavy, as I say, if, if you think about it for a while. If God decided our redemption before he created the world, then, then a couple of big realities kick in from that truth. First of all, it, it's not just that the whole Bible story fits together, as we've already started to reflect on in this covenant series, not just that it fits together, but, but much more profoundly that it was perfectly planned. Look again at verse 9. God has now made known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Christ was put forth as God's plan for the fullness of time. The redemption in this overarching agreement in God was was the plan from the very beginning. It, it was always going to end up with the cross. It was always going to end with our redemption from sin in Jesus' blood. God was committed to the cross of Christ before the foundation of the world. Verse 4. So we can certainly then no longer think that Jesus' death on the cross was some kind of, I don't know, plan B or something. Much less, you know, plan C or D. God's not putting out fires. He's not thinking up new ways to try to deal with our sin as the story rolls along. The, the cross was his plan from before we existed. And so nor can we think, you know, like, like evil somehow got out of God's hands in the beginning. That Satan had a win over God in the Garden of Eden. In fact, the window that this scripture just opened up for us in, into the, the mystery of God's will helps us make sense of, of some of those hairy old chestnuts. Like, like, why did God even put that tree in the garden? We think about it long enough in light of this truth here in Scripture. And, and, well, I guess as it turns out, a redeemed world must actually be better than, you know, that fictional world we, we lazily imagine that, that God might have created instead. We do that, don't we? You know, why didn't God just make it so that sin wasn't possible? Just not put in that tree or, or just not forbid its fruit? Can you imagine if we were just computer scripts 
you know, unable to disobey, or if there was no temptation in the first place, would, would it actually be obeying if there was no disobey? Would we actually develop a relationship with God of, of any kind? Would there actually ever be any love? And yet with temptation came sin and separation from God, as we've seen through this story. But, but now, uh, all the more glory is revealed in God's plan. All the more glory we see in this scripture is revealed in God's plan to have allowed us the freedom, but then redeemed us from the sin. Scriptures like this teach us that, that by committing to our redemption, God also committed to creating us as, as free and rational beings, capable of obedience, relationship, love. And yet he knew exactly what that would require before we even began. Let's now look back downward from, from this heavenly view of redemption, of what God chose to do, and look back to all those covenants that we've been thinking through in this series. This one sits across all of them. An overarching covenant, like an, like an umbrella covenant that stretches across all of those. And, and this overarching covenant, this redemption that God planned all along, must therefore lock into place all those other promises he did make along the way. They must now, therefore, all you know, click into, into this broader framework of God's greater redemption plan. We first thought about God's covenant with Adam, as I say, that covenant of life that Adam broke and brought death. The curse of death came upon us from the very beginning, but... But even before that, we now see God had planned life, nevertheless, in the end. And sure enough, the scriptures do say, 1 Corinthians 15, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. For if, Romans 5, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. The covenant of life that God made with Adam is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The Son of God became the new Adam, so as to conquer sin and death and bring forgiveness unto righteousness and life. And it's just as God had said to the devil way back in Genesis 3, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. So indeed, Galatians 4, 4, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of Woman, Eve's offspring, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Adoption, Ephesians 1, verse 5. Adoption that God predestined us to receive according to his will and through Jesus Christ. 
We also then stopped in on God's covenant that he made with Noah and creation after the judgment of flood. Jesus himself used Noah's ark as a metaphor for himself when he said in in Luke 17, But first, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation, just as it was in the days of Noah. So it will be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. The Apostle Peter too, in in 1 Peter 3, says our baptism into Jesus is like the baptism of that ark. To reject Jesus now is like rejecting that ark back then. The New Testament calls us to put our, our faith in Jesus and let him carry us through the judgment of sin. The whole creation groans, Romans 8. Jesus is making all things new, Revelation 21. All things will be united under him, Ephesians 1.10, whether things in heaven or things on earth. The covenant God made with Noah and the remnant of creation after the flood is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. We then saw the covenant God made with Abraham, a land for him, a multitude of descendants for him, and blessing to all nations. The Bible says that those promises belong to Christ. Galatians 3.16, Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. The promises belong to Jesus, and those promises promise a multitude of offspring and blessings to all nations on earth, and and we who trust in Christ are that blessed multitude. Galatians 3.7 says, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Well, back in Ephesians chapter 1, where we are today, in verse 4 and 5, it is we who God chose before the foundation of the world. We who are adopted as the children of God. We who are adopted through Jesus Christ. We reflected too on on the covenant God made with Israel at the time of Moses, that they would be a nation of priests, holy to God. Again, this was pointing to Jesus. Explicitly in the letter to the Hebrews in chapter 8 and verse 5, we're told of those old covenant priests in that nation of priests that, that they only served a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. And for, for another uh, couple of chapters, Hebrews goes on about the shadow and the copies that, that that whole system was all about. The temple, the priests, the sacrifices made, just shadows and copies, all just pointing to Jesus. Consequently, Hebrews 10.5, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. 
as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. And that will, says Ephesians 1 and verse 7, 8 and 9, that will of God is that Jesus should lay down that body that God has prepared for him, shedding his blood to redeem us from sin. And the outflow of that redemption is that Jesus' church is now this priestly nation, the nation holy to God. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 2, but, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. The covenant with Israel under Moses is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Then we saw the covenant God made with David. A covenant promised to have an eternal king on the throne. And we know that this, too, was always talking about Jesus. We thought of it then when we stopped in on that covenant. But let me read you again from Mark chapter 11 today. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Crying out those things about Jesus. The coming kingdom of our father David came with Jesus, or as we have it here in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 10, all things will be united under him. The covenant God made with David is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And all those covenant promises that God made that we've looked at in these scriptures are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Which is no great surprise, really, because all the promises of God find their yes in him. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Or as we can see here in Ephesians chapter 1, Christ is the plan that God put forward from the very beginning for the fullness of time. This overarching umbrella plan of God, this covenant of redemption, is is also, of course, important for us to then think about now, back down from our perspective, looking up. Indeed, Paul insists on personalising this. If we look at this text again, he personalises this for us all the way through. He, He won't let us just take this on board as some kind of generic decision that God made. In him we, he says in verse 11. In him so also you, verse 13. Paul wants us as believers to see this truth personally. So let's look at it again, uh, thinking this time about us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. 
In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, yes, you too, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Brothers and sisters, those of you, all of you who who will repent and trust in Jesus Christ, the whole Bible story has been running towards Jesus on that cross. And it has been running towards Jesus on that cross so as to lavish God's sweet promises on you. To the praise of his glorious grace, God chose all these blessings beforehand For you, if you count yourself as a sinner, and if you count yourself as a penitent sinner, having repented and called for God's mercy and trusted in Christ, then then count yourself also adopted, a child of God now. Count yourself also redeemed, by his blood, forgiven of all that sin. Count yourself also as as now holding in your hot little hands, holding the inheritance of heaven. And count all those things because God predestined them for you since before the foundation of the world, God chose to lavish all these blessings upon you. Trust him to be faithful to his own plan. If you won't turn to Jesus and repent of your sin and receive all these things, then then you will only be left with that curse of your sin where we started this series. Cast out from God's presence and all of these blessings. The judgment must come for your sin and you will be banished from God and from all of these things forever. I trust that leaves you with with much to reflect on and and to talk through with God. But perhaps I could just say today, if you find yourself wanting the blessings, wishing that God had chosen you as you read through this text, then, then might that not be? Because actually, he has. Is that longing in you for these blessings, not him actually 
calling you now to to step into these things that he has prepared for you. I'll leave that with you to to think through and pray through. But know too that, that, of course, we are always here to help you think through that step. hope you've enjoyed the series. God's covenant promises run all the way through Scripture and they weave together the, the beautiful story of Jesus redeeming us, yes, us, to be his. Can I close off our series in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your scripture, that we have your word to us and that it shows us so much about you and so much about us. And we thank you for this opportunity to work through your covenants in in this series and how they culminate in Jesus on the cross. And as we see now today, that that was always your plan. Father, that pops our brains in, in, in so many directions. But, but we pray that you would take this scripture and you would write this into our heart and help us to understand it and process these things. And we pray that through these promises in scripture, all that we've looked at, we would find comfort and challenge uh, the rest of our lives, Lord. Holy Spirit, I pray for those who aren't yet in Jesus, your plan for the fullness of time. I pray you convict them of their sin, of their need and their judgment and their curse that they stand in. And I pray you draw them into repentance and draw them into Jesus. Holy Spirit, for those you already have sealed for yourself, please grant them assurance of that truth. Teach them that they have been lavished upon with the blessing reserved for those you have called to yourself. Help them to lock that in, in the depths of their heart. We thank you, God, for your promise, your plan, your purpose for us and for following through on what you decided beforehand. May our salvation in Jesus' name and by Jesus' work, be to the praise of your glory, alone and forever. Amen.